I don't get where I play as long as I go number one in the draft. Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Washington Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about, it's that playing attitude. Quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Far East out of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to another edition of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button, the Director of Scouting for TSN and former Stanley Cup champion will be along very shortly. This is Season 2, Episode 18. I hope you enjoyed Episode 17 where we did scouting tips and story time with Craig and we'll try to do that at the end of the season again. We actually got a bunch of questions afterwards so uh, we've got a good stack for the next time uh, that we do that. And on this program, the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. Uh, this is who we will be discussing on the show today. Justin Robida, a center with Valdor of the QMJHL. Uh, his father is former NHLer Stefan Robida, and he's having a pretty good season. Doltak Scouting Service purchased this NFT for just $75 in the scouting auction of the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League, and they're probably going to make a pretty penny. Aturati is a center with a Carpat of Liga. Ruby ISS Scouting Services purchased this NFT, the very first NFT uh, auctioned off for the scouts, $300 he went to for. And man, that was a wild, wild day. And we're also going to discuss a right winger, Nikita Jabrikov with SKA St. Petersburg. He's played at a bunch of different levels. Spitfire Scouting purchased this NFT for $125. Dollars. So, uh, scouting is so important in the ultimate uh, fa- franchise fantasy sports platform. In our hockey league, uh, the scouting is where it starts. And and you're always scouting. Uh, you know, my assistant GM, George Batchel, who uh, also runs our AHL team, uh, sent me a message today. He said, hey, this guy was named to the U18 team, Thomas Millich. Maybe we should look at him. Goaltender for Seattle. Didn't see him on anybody's scouting list. Sent him in. Boom. List him for $20. If this guy pans out, that $20 investment could be really, really great. So you can get in the game where you own the game, and you can scout real-world players for fantasy franchises. Yeah, it sounds way too good to be true, but it is amazing. You can scout the exact players that Craig and I are going to be talking about today uh, that are out there. You go to your local rink, you see a good player, he's not listed, boom. You list him, and you get the cash. Check it out at uffsports.com, and as mentioned, Get in the game where you own the game. All right, let's bring in the main man right now. Here he is, the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. 
Yes, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. All right, Craig, it is great to chat, and uh, that story time and scouting tips that we did last week was uh, just absolutely so much fun, and we ended up getting a bunch more questions in afterwards. So we've got some good uh, questions for the next time we do it, but we're going to focus on one or three players uh, today, and, and one of them in particular is a guy who's father played in the NHL. We're talking about Justin Robida, a center with Valdor in the QMJHL, and this NFT uh, was purchased by Daltac Scouting Services for $75. So it could be a really, really good find for that scouting service, depending on what happens in the draft and the auction. Now, his father, Stefan, was a really good defenseman in the NHL. He was born in Dallas, grew up playing hockey in Quebec. What type of player is Justin Robida? Yeah, well, okay, so I'm going to give you a little bit of background on Justin, too. So I've watched Justin for a number of years now. So a couple of things, you know, he, he, uh, he played for Magog in the, uh, in the, in the Quebec, uh, major junior hockey or in the Quebec midget triple A league. And, and they won the midget triple A championship that year. Uh, uh, Jimmy Waite, not Jimmy Waite, sorry. Uh, Felix Potvin was the head coach. Anyway, he also won a gold at the Canada games, uh, you know, th- th- that same, that same year. <laughs> You know, beating beating Ontario with the likes of Brant Clark and Shane Wright and Brennan Othman. So mm. Justin has a pretty good track record of success and winning. Now, you know, you hear me say this all the time uh, about a, about not scouting with a tape measure. And I think that you, you it's easy to see that that, that Justin uh, Justin is five foot eight or five foot nine or whatever he is. And so you watch him, and when I first started to watch him play, you start to go, okay, yeah. And, and you heard all the talk, and you heard all the, this is this kid's a really good player. And and you watch, and you go, okay, yeah. You see the productivity, and then I, I, I put on my NHL projection hat, and I'm and I'm looking for things, and I'm going, okay, is he is he is he quick enough? Is he fast enough? Is he this right? And I ultimately came to the conclusion that the whole is absolutely greater than the sum of the parts. His brain, his competitiveness, his puck skills. Like if I asked, if, if you asked me what would be the one standout quality for him, I would say his intelligence. But if I asked, if you asked me, are all of his qualities standout? I'd probably say no. But when you put them all together, it makes him a really good player. And it makes him a really good, effective, productive player because he can do so many things in the game. I mean, it's easy to look at the stat sheet, right, Dean, and say, oh, he's got this many goals, he's got this many points, therefore he's good. But but, but I think the appreciation for Justin is, is, as you watch him and you continue to watch him, is moving away from the idea that, okay, yeah, does he have the blinding speed? No. Does he have this overwhelming shot? No. Does he have this great ability with quickness and puck skills? To, no. But you watch the game and he, and he has the puck and he makes plays and he's in the thick of things and he's in the middle of the play. And much like his dad, who had a great NHL career, and I say great NHL career because, you know, as a defenseman and the way Steph competed, you know, I think that uh, – you know, you look at Justin and you look at a player that goes, 
Yep, yep, yep. He's a he's a he's a really good NHL player. He's a really good NHL prospect. He's going to be drafted. He's going to end up being better than his draft position warranted. <laughs> and you're going to hear probably from teams down the road. Yeah, we weren't sure about this. We weren't sure about that. And that's where I've come to a to a great level of satisfaction. That like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And you're wrong because. Of, of the overall ability of Justin Robida. Really, and the other thing about him, I, I think there's nine forwards on, or 12 forwards on a, on a team, right? I start mm-hmm. to look at all those different positions. He can play all through your lineup. That's a pretty valuable, that's a pretty valuable thing to have. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of holes in this game. Do you think, uh, is, bingo, is this a- bingo. Yeah. Is this a guy you would put in your top 40 uh, in a normal year doing a Craigslist, or is he maybe just outside of that? What's your uh, prediction on that? Well, I'll tell you this. I'm going to have a top 40. I, I don't know if this is a normal year or an abnormal year. Everybody can decide it. You still have to do it. Yeah. He, 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 he will be he'll, – he'll be right there. He'll be right there. He'll be right there. And, I, I, I mean, he's not going to be, for me, uh, a player that's going to be uh, outside of the – top 50 i can dare i can guarantee you that there we go now what quality or skill do you think he resembles the most from his dad's game obviously different positions but you know do they think the game kind of similar is there it was there one call uh quality that that stefan had that justin has you know steph Every player has different attributes and, and every player has to understand how to use those attributes and those skills and whatever your game is. And at the same time, not, not try to put yourself in spots where uh, you, you're, not, you're not able uh, to use your, your strengths to the greatest advantage. Steph was massively competitive. He, he, was a, he was a really smart player. But the other thing, Steph was always in, in, in the middle of things. But he was never in, in positions of vulnerability. He, you know, he leverage. He, he got underneath you. He got up on you. So a big player, like he, he wouldn't wait for that big pot player to start to gain to gain speed. And now where you got to handle not only the speed or the, but now you got to handle that size. And now he can kind of overwhelm you. Steph was able to get right up on you. So before you get moving, the puck was off your stick, or he or he checked you where you couldn't get moving. I think Justin's very similar in that regard he he's not going to go and try to take on somebody in a physical battle that he knows that his chances of winning aren't very good but what he's going to go and do is is get to the puck before you or or skate you into a spot where he's going to strip you of the puck and he's going to give up the puck before you can take him out with your physical advantage you know that ability to pass the puck where a defender now can't latch onto you. So he passes the puck that defenseman has to open up and now J- Justin can get to the next spot. He- he's a forward, which is different than Steph, but that ability to read the play and not put yourself into uh, a, a, where, where you're vulnerable uh, to not be able to use your, your greatest strengths to your advantage and, and, and it, you, you, you recognize that. So Steph did that exceptionally well for a long time in the NHL. I think Justin does it, uh, you know, equally well. 
All right, the next player we're going to chat about is Atu Ratti, a centerman with Carpat in Liga, and this NFT uh, was purchased by Ruby ISS Scouting for $300, and this was the very first NFT that was auctioned off in the scouting auction, and, and as, uh, you know, uh, per, per your direction, Trish was in there doing the bidding, and we just weren't sure about what the bidding was, was actually going to be like in this system, and he ended up going for 300 I still think that uh, Ruby ISS is going to get their money back, even though you know the, the hype train was pretty high. He's he's dropped a little bit from the number one pick conversation, as we talked about last week. Um, it's probably a combination, Craig. But what do you think is the bigger factor? Is it Ratty regressing, or is it that maybe some other players around him have uh, maybe uh, uh, gotten a little bit better than maybe how he has played? What do you think is more? <laughs> I don't know if it's either one of those things. I don't know if it's more of, of, of one and less of another or opposite. What I would say to you, Dean, is this. Aturati, to me, when when I break down his game and I watch him, the, the, the skating is excellent. And it's not just speed. It's it's power. It's quickness. It's agility. And, and his ability to use that speed in so many different ways. I think he's got really good puck skills. I think that he can shoot the puck. He can make plays on the move. And, you know, I think that he's an intelligent player that can understand, you know, how to take advantage of those skills and he's competitive. So you ask me this, so, so what's happened? Here's what I would say. I don't think anything's happened. I think what's happened is, is that he's not quite ready to handle the rigors and the challenges of the SM Liga. I, I just don't think he is. Does that mean he's not a good player? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that where he's at with respect to his maturity and 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 and, and all different levels of maturity, that's a demanding league. That's a really good league to play in against really good players. And so, you know, if, if I use an example, and, and, and you can look at it in two different ways. So, Jesse Pugliarvi, ironically, played in uh, Karpat Ulu, Right. I mean, he was he was an excellent player at 17 and 18 years of age. But you bring him to the NHL. He wasn't ready to play in the NHL. He wasn't ready to perform. And now you look at him and say, well, what's wrong with Jesse Pugliarvi? Well, maybe he just wasn't ready. He comes back now. I mean, think about it. It's five years or just about five years since Jesse got drafted fourth overall. He comes back now. He's a much different player. He's a more confident player. and, and, And he's and he's and he's tracking in a different direction. I feel the same way about Atu. I think that he's got lots of qualities and lots of attributes that are going to allow him to be a really good NHL player. Emphasis on really good. Because despite the fact that everybody wants to go in there and and, and have this, this great confidence, oh, yeah, good, I saw it. Well, he might not be able to demonstrate it fully right now. But I'm satisfied to such a great extent, having watched him for a number of years, that those qualities are all there. Uh, you know, I just I just tapped into some 2019, 2019 uh, U18 championship video. Mm. Finland, Anton Lundell was an underage. Aturadi was playing as, as, as a, as, as a well, uh, excuse me, Lundell was not playing as an underage. He was a late birthday, so he wasn't eligible for that draft. Aturadi was playing as an underage player. And I go back to it, and I see the ability uh, of, of him to do so many different things in so many different ways. And so, 
you know, you, you watch games from the SM Liga. I watched games last year from the World Junior Tournament. I got to be honest with you, I'm pretty satisfied that he has very good NHL potential. And and this is the other thing, Craig, that, you know, people get a you know a little caught up in, uh, oh, he didn't make the World Junior team. Yeah, you know who didn't make a World Junior team? Martin Brodeur. Worked out pretty good for him. And then people say, well, he's struggling against men. Yeah, I remember a guy in Boston that struggled against men in his first year by the name of Joe Thornton that, that worked out okay. So, well, I, you know, I think there's, there, there's right to project players where they are. And as you mentioned, he's probably not in the running for number one. But we sometimes get caught up with, you know, not being number Number one, well, number two or number four or number five or number 10 or number whatever in the first round or any draft, any round is still pretty good. So this is still going to be a good player. What are the things that really excite you for whatever NHL team gets him? Because he also could be pretty motivated with a lot of people talking about how much he's struggling when in reality, he's, he's just a teenager. I mean, at that 2015 World Juniors, everybody was talking about Jesse Pugliarvi. Well, and what I would say to you, Dean, is, is that you know what, like, I tell young players this all, just keep playing. Just keep working on your game. Who, who cares? Like, what the, the scouts are not always right. They're not always wrong. But, like, if you're drafted high, you want to show that you're worthy of being drafted high. If you're not drafted high, you want to show that you should have been drafted high. That's the reminders I give young players. That's what I want to see them be able to do and continue to do. So, I, I, when you are sitting in, when you are sitting here, watching, uh, watching, uh, watching players play, and yeah, you want to be able to see, yeah, look at it, yeah, I'm calling, but it's it's still a projection game. Seventeen and eight year old kids projected into when they're twenty one or twenty two. Gary Lattin, I was with the Minnesota North Stars. Gary Lattin was playing in TPS Turku. Now, our and the wonderful scout, Matty Weisenden, worked for the Edmonton Oilers for years. He came to work with us in, uh, in, uh, in Minnesota. Uh, so we're over in Europe. We, I mean, Matty told us, watch this player, watch that player. This is who you, you know, you just, just follow him because he's, he, he was a great scout and had, had very great, uh, he had a great record of, of identifying, you know, top-end talent. At the World Junior Tournament in uh, twenty in 1992, he ended up having an unfortunate stroke. The tournament was in Fusen. And so Maddie, you know, the last four months of the scouting season was had to work on his rehab. So we had to spend a lot more time following up on the, on, on the players in Europe and certainly players that Maddie would have gotten. Long story short. We come to our meetings. Now, Yarko Varvio, who was a smallish scoring winger, really good one. So he'd been great at the World Championships. We'd watch and we'd watch Yeri and everything. So we come to the draft. And now Matty is he's in our meetings. He's recovering. He's doing really well. And we keep saying on our list, Yarko Varvio ahead of Yeri Letnin. Well, Maddie keeps kind of shaking his head and, you know, Bob Clark was our manager. Les Jackson was, was, was such a superb, uh, uh, you know, leader with respect to guiding it. Well, Maddie, what's, uh, he would, he would say switch Letton and Varvio and we'd have the discussion and, you know, well, we really liked Varvio. We liked Letton too, but Maddie kept telling us Letton and Letton and Letton and Letton. Well, Yeri, he liked Varvio, don't get me wrong, but he said, we got him in the wrong order. And 
Jerry wasn't as big. He wasn't as developed. He hadn't advanced as much. Well, I'll tell you what. We were really, really lucky. Not only to have Maddie. We drafted Yarko Vargo in the second round. So we got our way in terms of how we had projected it. We got really lucky because we got Yerry Lettinen in the fourth round. <laughs> I think Maddie was pretty correct, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think I think it was one of those things where you're like, oh, thank like people say, Oh yeah, you drafted Yerry Lettinen. Yeah, despite our own stupidity. That's right. Yeah. In yeah. spite of our own stupidity, we couldn't get out of our own way. And yeah. and that's the brilliance of Maddie. So the reason I bring up that story, I, I see a lot of Atu Ratty in that. Like, yeah, he, 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 he hasn't he hasn't shown this this great ability to produce at this elite level that would give every scout greater confidence to draft him higher. Mm-hmm. But I don't see any limitations in his ability to be a again, a very good NHL player. Yeah, in, indeed. And you man, you put him in the QMJHL or the OHL and the WHL, and uh, the numbers would be so much higher. So everything in perspective, obviously, when you're yeah. when you're scouting. And Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline. Scouting is a huge part of the platform and the lifeblood of the franchises in the UFHL. Any free agent goes through a scout, so get in the game where you own the game. Prospects. Free agents, veterans, every player starts with the scouting platform. You can become an independent scout. You can form a partnership with an existing franchise. Duckman's Domination has a great partnership with high-level scouting um, because my wife owns it and Craig is our president. So it is a really, really great partnership. We have George Batchel running the UFAHL franchise as well. Uh, reach out for more information at UFH League on Twitter and get in the game where you own the game. And I talk about that team. It, it, it really is a, a team. We, we, you know, I send out, we get trade offers. I get George's opinion. I get your opinion. We form and we were able to pull off what I think was a pretty good deal this week from a position of strength. We have a lot of prospects. We have a lot of draft picks. We're able to move, you know, a first, a second uh, prospect in Tyler Benson, who you know I think is going to be pretty good, but there's a lot of guys ahead of him for that top six spot in Edmonton. And we brought in Colton Pareko, along with Dante Fabro, uh, two pretty good pillars to build that uh, blue line from, I would think, Craig. Yeah, when you talk about pillars how, how, how are you gonna how are you gonna support the structure and, and the foundation if you don't have pillars there right so essential pillars you know good solid players that are gonna and, and that's another part of scouting that I think is really important it, you know and, and Bill Belichick with the New England Patriots has mentioned this and, and you've heard other coaches use it in different ways but Bill Belichick says I'm not trying to always acquire the players uh, the best players I'm trying to acquire the players that will help me be the best team. And, you know, we all know that Connor McDavid's a great player. Nathan McKinnon's a great player. But go and ask uh, Connor McDavid how happy he is to have Darnell Nurse. Mm -hmm. Go and ask Nathan McKinnon how happy he is to have Kale McCarr or Miko Rantanen on his team. So, you know, like all those, all those top end players, like you need different types to be a good team. And I, I think when you talk about Dante Fabro is different than Colton Pareko and, but they become really good players for what you're ultimately trying to do, which is to be the best team possible. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, dealing from a position of strength, the only way to get yourself in a position of strength is by doing the right things. You know, 
like getting the right players, understanding, uh, you know, okay, draft picks are, are, are going to be essential. And then as you move along that path, how do we use the draft picks? How do we mm -hmm. use this currency to, to, to improve our team and to get us into a position where we can be very successful? Dean, you, you just described to me what is the theory and you've put it into practice. Well, and hopefully we keep doing that and I don't screw it up and uh, uh, drive the boat uh, or drive the car off a cliff or something like that because uh, we put a lot of hard work and, uh, and, and you know, we're trying to build this uh, certainly uh, the right way. And, and, and that's what NHL teams like to do. And that's why this league and this platform is so realistic to what the actual sport is. All right, let's talk Nikita Chibrikov, a right winger with SKAC St. Petersburg. And he's played a little bit everywhere. He's played some in the KHL and the MHL and the VHL. And Spitfire Scouting uh, purchased this NFT for $125. And, um, you know, a lot of projections for him to be a first-round pick. So it could really pay off. Now, I've read Elite when it comes to his skating. And when I watch some video, I see the ability to change gears when he needs to. And we've chatted about that, how important it is is to not just skate in a straight line all the time. That's just what I've seen on a few video clips. You obviously seen him a lot more. Is that pretty common in his game? Yeah, he's he, he's quick, fast and agile. And and and, and the thing about Nikita, it, you know, when I've watched him play, is that he puts defenders on their heels. Like and and when you can put defenders on their heels, you know, you, you put them in a threatening position where you can now take advantage, right? So that ability to, to, to skate past defenders, that ability to change speed, to open up more ice, that agility to, to, to move laterally, to open up space for yourself. You know, when you're a defender and you're playing against Nikita, you, you're looking at that thing going, okay, what's he gonna do? If I get up too close to him, he might change gears on me and go by me. If, 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 if I don't get my right gap or my right angle here, you know, he's going to move to another spot on, on the ice and take advantage. I, I'm always careful here. And, 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 I, and I say that. He's got qualities of a lowercase Nikita Kucherov. He's mm. got those types of qualities. You know how Nikita will come and drive and stop and then you can't stop quick enough and then he moves in and he's got the shot off? Nikita can make plays too, right? You know, for sure. Like, so when, when I say lowercase Kucherov, I mean, Kucherov's a great player. I mean, I, I, that goes without saying. Kucherov was a late second round draft pick that when, when I watched him play then, I thought, I thought he had NHL written all over him. I, I, I guess what? I, I, I thought he was a really good player. I, I, I ranked him a core, I rated him in, in that regard. Well, guess what? I even underestimated him because I didn't rate, <laughs> I didn't rate him high enough. But and I rated him high, but I see with with, with Nikita Chibrikov very similar type offensive capabilities. He's got an attack mentality. You know, when you think back, Dean, and me and you can think back a little bit in time because we're a little bit older. But I think back to Makarov and Kutov, yeah. great two wingers with, with with those Russian the Soviet teams, Larionov in the middle with them. How, and those, how they, what's, and it was more the attack mentality. They got that puck and they attacked. They attacked. I think of the great play that Makarov made in the Canada Cup. It's you can go on YouTube it. He undressed Larry Robinson like Larry Robinson was a rank amateur. Larry Robinson was a Norris Trophy winner. He was a top defenseman in the world. 
So when I talk about attacking and putting defensemen on their heels, think about Makarov doing what he did to, to Larry Robinson, right? And, and, and how you get, so that's when I look at Chibrikov and I look and I go, that attack mentality. He's looking to break you down. He's not looking to take uh, the easy way through because he knows what the, where the rewards are. And he knows how to attack and he knows where defensemen are going to be vulnerable. And he comes right after you. And, he, and, and he's got a good shot. He's competitive. He's hardworking. And don't underestimate his playmaking. Much like Kucherov, he's a good playmaker. And, you know, like I'm looking at a top 15 player here. Yeah. I, I love 15. that reference. Top 15. I, top 15. And I he lo- might even be higher than that. He's that good. Well, and that would be uh, massive uh, for Spitfire scouting at, at just $125 if he went top 15. But I love that reference uh, to the Makarov and the Krutov because it, it is, it, you know, a lot of those times they, they would bring the puck up ice or they make their, you know, four fo- passes in the neutral zone, but they always controlled the puck over the blue line. And that's what he, from what I've seen, he carries that puck in. He, you know, he, he dials it back and then jumps on you. So you're right. The defenseman doesn't know. And he carries the puck across the blue line he has the puck and then boom he, he's 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 dangerous do you think if he had the choice he would be a shoot first guy or do you think he's always thinking whatever the best option is because he, he, once he has that puck across the blue line now the defensemen are really at his mercy yeah well here, here's what i would say i think it's more the latter you know, I think that he's got a balance in that. I don't think he's just shoot first or pass first. I, I think because he's so smart and because he has that mentality of I'm attacking. I'm attacking at you with the idea of what is my attack going to lead to? There's a lot of players that attack and, and they end up nowhere because they don't understand, you know, the next part of it. Oh, I'm going to skate fast. But what are you skating fast towards? What, mm-hmm. what are you attacking with? And, and, and to me, that's what makes Kucherov a superstar and to me when i watch jibberkoff it's it's similar it's like okay here, here's where i am and that's where kutoff and makarov come into play it wasn't just attack with the with 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 the soul with with just attack it was it was attack with purpose it was attack with with the idea i'm going to break you down to create an advantage for me and my team so when i say he's not just shoot first if the pass is there, he's going to deliver it. You know, one of the things I learned about Seth Jarvis, and you know, and 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 I talked about Justin Robida a little bit, you know, earlier, and 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 Seth had this. You know, you, you watch Seth and you go, okay, and then and, and you go, is he the fastest guy? No. Is he quick? Yes. Is he? Yeah. And then and then I kept watching. I kept saying, like, the thing about Seth, and and, and I think Chibrikov, a little bit different, but Seth was. When he think he was going to pass, he shot. Mm-hmm. And when he thought, and when you thought he was going to pass, or, and when he thought he would shoot, he would pass. So h- how do you get a beat on him? Like how do you, how do you, because he doesn't give you one look. He doesn't just say, "Hey, I'm going to shoot every time," and now you can play off the shot and give him the pass. They take what's there for them because of that mentality of breaking down opponents and then taking advantage of the situation that's in front of them instead of it being predetermined. You know, and we talk about guys playing against men and, oh, maybe they're not performing uh, as well against men. Maybe we should just be saying, well, look at the experience they're building up for when they get to the next level. Like, really, does anybody care a whole lot what Nikita does uh, this year or Atu Ratti does this year against men? You're worried about what he's doing against the best. So maybe we should be saying... 
How is he using that experience to his advantage? How is he gaining this experience with the men? Well, what that, and, and I, you, you, it's a great point you just make, and that's projection. We're, 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 you're draw, you're looking at seventeen and eight year old kids, mm-hmm. so it's all about projection. Like, yeah, I'd like to be able to watch uh, Nikita Chibrikov play against NHL players and produce and go, oh yeah, I know he's going to do it. You don't get that luxury. So, what are the qualities they possess, and 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 then you try to say, okay, when they mature and they physically mature and emotionally and mentally mature and everything that goes with the maturation process. Where do they, you know, how are they going to look then? And right. and so that's a, so I think that's a, like what you talk about is right there. So now you ask me, what's the experience? Like, and again, I talked about Justin. Like, when, when you're not the biggest player, so that could be when you're younger and you're not the tallest. That mm-hmm. could be, you know, you're advanced a little bit playing up against older players. You learn what you can do, but you learn just as importantly what you might not be able to do. So that learning curve goes both ways. Okay. Like I'm not going to ever be six foot two and be able to overpower you like a Jerome McGinley did, but I, I can use my skills in a different way and be like a Nikita Kucherov. Right. So I think those are the benefits. Smart people learn not only what they're capable of doing, but they also learn what not to do. And every single player is not going to be the same. Victor Hedman, can do things that the vast majority of players can't do ever in the game, not just this year or in the league. So he's unique. But other defensemen, like Stefan Robida, had to learn what they could do, but they had to learn just as much as what they couldn't do. But because they're smart, they apply those lessons of what they can't do. So when you ask me about Chibrikov, he, he's smart. He, he learns what he can do and what he can't do at this stage of his career playing against older, more experienced players. All right, let's wrap up with this. Um, in our league, in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League, uh, there, there's going to be some rule changes in the offseason. Uh, one of the stats I can't wait to get rid of is plus minus uh, as a category. But all that stuff has to be voted on. And 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 just like in the NHL, when you get into those uh, Board of Governors meetings and, and the owners meetings, um, you have to think about the league. You know, And I'm trying to get this message, and I hope everybody in our league sees it. Yes, we've built teams based on the scoring system. System, but it's important to look at, you know, how is this going to look in five years, in 10 years, in three years, not just this year. And, and we've talked about that with kind of the draft lottery situation as well. Sometimes owners, GMs, etc., they're so locked on in, in their team, they're not looking at the bigger picture, which is what is the best thing for the league. And one of the things that I would say, you know, when you're when you're involved on a daily basis, you know, right with your own individual team, you know, to be able to take that step back and look at the at the overall league and what, what, what I differentiate between the micro of your own team as opposed to the macro of the overall league, that's not easy to do. It's not easy to do because you're looking, okay, ultimately what we do is, is we go, how does this affect me? How does this affect my team? And, and, and that's a type of thinking you, you have to be able to remove uh, if, if you want to get to the greatest benefits for, for, for the league and for the, what I call the macro. So, you, you know, okay, you, you might look at like, like I look at puck handling with goaltenders. Mm-hmm. So why, why did they put the trapezoid into place? Uh, well, I think because they they didn't feel that uh, the defense, well, I, I don't know why they put it in, actually. I, I honestly don't know, Craig. Because there's a whole Craig. bunch of... 
Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. Well, okay. I'll tell you why. But because I'm a we're looking at goaltenders like Marty Berger right. and Marty Turco, who handled the puck so exceptionally well. So well, let's take that away from them. What they, but, but this is where you got to look at the macro. you got to look at it in terms of, okay, how many goaltenders handle it like those guys? Right. right? And so you get, you get beat by those. But, like, you know, like, so now what did we run into? You know where goaltenders used to help and, and really significant? They were able to handle the puck out there to help their defensemen. Mm -hmm. So now we created an environment where defensemen became more vulnerable. We took away, like the interference got called, the hooking and holding got called. So now forwards were able to, to zero in more on defensemen. And the goaltender used to be able to help them out. Well, all mm -hmm. of a sudden you took that away from them. <laughs> and so now, so now we got another problem, right? And so... And, and we can't always anticipate every problem or every consequence of an action, right? You know, the, you, you know, you, you have those at different times, right? Uh, on, you know, unintendable consequences. Uh, but you've got to be able to step away and look at it. Glenn Sather, to me, just a brilliant offensive mind. You know, the, the, the 1980s Oilers, you know, they're, they're, they're right there with the greatest teams ever. They are. And, and Glenn built that team. Think about this, you know, three on three and four on four hockey. I mean, they were so good. So most other teams couldn't play right at that level. So what did they institute? What, what did the rest of the league do to try to take away from the Edmonton Oilers? They took away four on four. And three on three. Yeah, and, th and three on three. Yeah, that's coincidental. The, the power plays used to have to be served in their entirety. Yeah. But the Montreal Canadiens power play was so good, right? <laughs> So yeah. the, the, the other five teams in the league said, we got to take this away from the Montreal Canadiens because they beat us. So that's how the, that's how the two-minute power play became, instead of serving it in its entirety, it right. became one where if you score. So, you know, I get it. You, you, you look at it from a, a micro point of view. You look at how does this affect me, you know. But ultimately, you got to be able to try to step away. and you got to say, how does this, you know, improve the league? What are the benefits for the league? And, and the other thing I would say about that too, Dean, you, you can look ahead three years and five years and you're always looking to the future, but you also have to be able to adjust and you have to be able to say, you know what, our intentions were good, but it didn't work out, right? It, did, it, it wasn't what we wanted. We're going to have to make a shift there. I, I, I think a perfect example of that is, is the offside challenge, right? Like, you know, we, the offside rule has been in place forever. You know, we talk about it, it's black, there was no gray, if you're over, it's over. But they've made that adjustment now because it required an adjustment. So I, I think it's really, like, I think that these things are not static. I think they're fluid. And, and, and I think that you have to be able to consider things with the macro view and try as best as you can. And, and let me emphasize, as best as you can to try to, to, to not just look at it through the lens of your own team or your own uh, organization. And I was lucky. I, 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 I worked for Bob Ganey. I worked for Bob Clark. They were both brilliant at that. There was others. There was lots of others that I could say, you know, George McPhee, I, I, like he, to me, he was fantastic in the meetings about talking about, you know, the, you know, the macro level and what it would mean. And so, you know, I think it takes that, that type of thinking, that type of personality to step away from your own situation to look at what can benefit the greater number of teams, because ultimately you're going to benefit yourself. 
yeah, the whole league benefits as uh, yeah. as a whole. So not easy stuff. to do, though, Dean. No, but yeah, not I, easy I agree. To do. I agree. Yeah, I I, I know, uh, but it, it's a necessary if you want the the league the league as a whole uh, so to true. to thrive. So awesome stuff, Craig. Uh, less than two weeks from the deadline, uh, phone lines will be burning up, and it's going to be a very interesting one this year. Obviously, probably not as busy with uh, quarantines and such, but still very interesting. Thanks as always for your time. Oh, my pleasure, Dean. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. UFFS, you own the game. Probably my favorite part of the week, getting to talk with Craig Button about uh, prospects and the like. And we did it last week. He, t- he told a couple of stories uh, there as well, but uh, he's got so many of them. He actually told me a really funny one uh, before we started recording. So maybe that'll be included in the next uh, time we do it. But um, we do a story times and scouting uh, tips episode uh, twice a year. We just did it last week. So episode 17 is where you can find that. Uh, you can find that right here on UFSN. It is uploaded as episode 17, story time and scouting trips. And we'll do one again uh, at the end of this season. So that is going to wrap things up. By the way, if you have a question for Craig, uh, email me tracking the draft at gmail.com. Uh, you can also uh, send something my way at that email address. If you would like to join the show as an advertiser, tracking the draft at gmail.com. Uh, please uh, subscribe. And let us know what you think. Leave us a review wherever uh, you are listening from or watching. Obviously, you're watching on uh, Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Or possibly, you could be watching on our social media f- uh, channels as well. Check out UFSN. It is our Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network YouTube channel. We have a number of different shows on the program throughout the week. This show comes out usually on Wednesdays, Two Minute Tuesday, Fantasy Hockey Time Mondays, and we have UFHL Now on Fridays. So lots of good stuff coming on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. And if you're into more podcasts or you'd like some production work, please check out podcastalley.ca, past episodes and more. And as mentioned, if you're looking to get some production work done, you can hit me up there. Big thanks to Craig Button for joining me on the show as usual. Just a couple of weeks until the trade deadline. This is where stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. Have a great week in hockey.